0: The Korowai people are a fascinating people group. This tribal group is about 4,000 people and they live in the lowland swamps of Papua Indonesia right under the Doni mountain ranges. My name is Paul Snyder. My family and I, my wife Patricia, my son Lane and my daughter marianne we serve as missionaries in the lowland swamps of Papua Indonesia. We've been serving there for the last 10 years among a tribal group known as the Korowai people. We are sent out by Bethany Bible Church in Big Lake, Minnesota, and we've also been working with Heartcry Missionary Society for the past seven years, training these Heartcry missionaries as we co-labor with them to to preach the gospel, to teach the people in the Korowai area. They are animistic. They are semi-nomadic. They believe in uh, one Creator Spirit that is overall that they have to appease in order to have welfare and success in their families, in their, in their gardens, in everyday life. They build their houses above the ground in treehouses. Those treehouses are about 8 to 12 meters off the ground. And I remember the first time we went in there, the very first time I was introduced to the Korowai, I slept in a treehouse. And I remember seeing on their rafters of their treehouses, the Korowai would place uh, fat from a pig, from a rat, any type of animal, on their rafters, And they believe in their worldview that when the fat disappears, this evil spirit named Sight is pleased with them and they'll have success. The number one thing that stands out about the Korowai people is their Sago Grub Feast. This is a time for when uh, many people in the Korowai area get together for a feast and a party uh, to eat the Sago palm tree bread have sago worms, they will erect a central pole in the middle of this structure. This is the sacred pole throughout the whole feast. Then what they will do, the Korowai will make a sacred fence around this sacred pole, and they'll put a fire inside this fence. And a Korowai man is designated, is designated to watch over the fire, keep it lit, and he is to march around this sacred pole during the feast with certain taboos. For instance, He'll have to walk in his own footprints. He's not allowed to have relationships with a woman. And then he'll speak gibberish, which is very demonic. And then during the feast, Korowai people will place sago bread, will place vegetables, will place potatoes and, and other vegetables, jungle vegetables and pig meat and, and cassowary meat on this sacred place near the pole to offer to sight. And it's for several reasons. It's so that their families will have success in their gardens, for sexual fertility, and for many other things. (laughs) The Gospel came to the Korowai tribe in 1978 in the southern region through some Dutch Reformed missionaries the southern Korowai people had the gospel for many years preached to them. But access to the north was denied. There was no way that these Dutch Reformed missionaries could move up into the northern region. And it wasn't until 2000, 2001 that the first initial contact in the north was established. These Donny Highland Christians from the mountains in Papua came as missionaries into this lowland swamp area to the Korowai to preach the gospel and that first contact in the northern people was established. Johannes Airlock was one of the first initial Donnie missionaries to come into this region and he spent six months in a treehouse with only his Bible, the clothes on his back, and a little bit of medicine and he lived in this treehouse with this clan for six months ministering to them, trying to tell them about Jesus Christ, the gospel, uh, helping their needs, treating the sick, and he was able to establish a good relationship with these people and make the advancement for future people to come in and preach the gospel and live among these people. HeartCry now supports several missionaries that live in the Korowai area. Jimmy and Paranwea, Yus and Epiwea are the Papuan missionaries that serve in the Korowai region these men and women came to this particular area from the Highlands to preach the gospel leaving their own culture, their own beliefs behind and they came into the Korowai area ready to suffer under what the Korowai believed and try to sh- and shatter that with the good news of Jesus Christ. It was in 2009 that my family and I took our first vision trip, survey trip, to the lowland swamps in the Korowai region. We wanted to co-labor with the National Church and, and co-labor with these men in the village to not only minister with them to preach the gospel, but to teach them, to come alongside and and take up that 2 Timothy 2-2 motto where Paul told Timothy, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And in 2011, we touched ground into Indonesia and began the work of learning the language and then preaching the gospel to the Korowai. Now, because of the Lord's help and through donors like you and supporters, we have been able to establish a clinic, full-time people that are now overseeing the health of the Korowai people. Throughout the last few years, we've been able to open up a clinic and see that now run by national Indonesians who are now taking care of the Korowai people. Up until the last decade, the Korowai region had no school. and We are thankful for guys like Jimmy Weya and his wife Perrin who made a commitment. In 2010, they started teaching the Korowai children reading and writing, mathematics, and Bible. And it was through their hard efforts every day to teach these children that a school was finally established in 2014. In 2017, we invited an organization from Jakarta called Lantern of Hope. This organization took over the school in Danawage. Through their efforts, we have four teachers teaching the Korowai children all the subjects, including Bible, every day. My language helper, Waihu Amo, and myself, we began translating the Salvation History Catechisms into the Northern Korowai dialect. Now that the Korowai still don't know how to read, we bought over 300 solar speakers to put this translation on, and we passed it out through all the northern Korowai region so that they could hear the gospel stories from Genesis to Revelation. And our prayer is that through this translation effort, they would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2014, after we were there for several years, a Korowai man named Salomo came up from a, a village downriver named Waina. He came up to the village that evening and said, we have come to learn God's word. I was taken back by that because I thought it would be years before we were able to, to invest in this daily teaching with believers. Starting that day, we started going through Salvation history step by step, teaching them doctrine and how to take this gospel that they're learning to their respective villages and to their clans and their tree houses. This core group, these handful of believers, we're praying that they would become the spiritual leaders among the Northern Korowai and even become the first Northern Korowai pastors. Thank you for praying for the Korowai people. It has been my prayer since the beginning that we would see God establish Korowai shepherds leading Korowai believers. And He is raising up a handful of men that are committed to taking this gospel and the truth of Scripture to their own people. Please pray that God would establish these men as the first Northern and Korowai pastors. God has been so faithful and so kind and gracious to the Coralai people to see not only churches planted in each of these villages and men given committed to teaching them week after week a clinic so that they can have good health, a school now so that the children can be raised up and trained, translation efforts so that they can listen to their gospel in their heart language, and believers now that are committed to the scriptures. God is so kind and after a decade of service, we're so thankful for what He's doing and what He will do as He continues the work in the Korowai region.